This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. Format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Destinations International. The annual convention in Toronto rocked, and now it's time to look forward to the next big event, which is the Advocacy Summit in Bloomington, Minnesota, October 26, 27, and 28, and registration has just begun. As telling the DMO story has never been more crucial, join Destinations International for a content-rich agenda of compelling case studies and networking to bring your advocacy game up to speed. For more, go to destinationsinternational.com. Org. And now it's on to our show. In April 2021, Sonia Bradley transitioned from serving as Visit Sacramento's longtime chief marketing officer to the chief of diversity, equity, and inclusion. This position was created specifically to address the organization's commitment to taking action and creating change when it comes to DEI within Visit Sacramento, the tourism industry in Sacramento's region, and beyond. As a 25-year veteran of the tourism industry, Sonia felt a deep personal call to use her experience her widespread relationships, and her expertise to create a better path forward for people of color and other underrepresented people in her community to be part of Sacramento's tourism industry. In this role, she'll be involved with all of Visit Sacramento departments in ensuring that DEI is brought to the forefront of every program and practice. She shares and collaborates on best practices and continues to explore with peers around the country how tourism organizations can better incorporate DEI into their daily operations. She has a Bachelor of Arts degree from Pepperdine University, a Master of Science from San Jose State University, and she serves on various committees and boards, including Cal Travel, Destinations International, DMA West, and a Sacramento nonprofit that focuses on youth and family. She's a self-described nerd who enjoys reading, especially true crime, armchair decorating, traveling, spending time with family, going to baseball games, and hacking around on the golf course. Sonia Bradley, welcome to DMOU. Well, thank you very much, Bill. I'm happy to be here. Exciting to have you on board. It was great to see you uh, in Toronto a few weeks ago at Destinations International. And it has been two years now since that tumultuous summer of 2020. But it's two years for the DMO world to come to grips with an issue that has been, I don't know, maybe not generally ignored, but it certainly hasn't been a high focus for DMOs around America and around North America. And that had to change. In that time, Tourism Diversity Matters launched. It's making headway in the space of diversity, equity, and inclusion. A number of DMOs are going beyond signing pledges and doing good work in their communities. But I think, and I just had this conversation with a DMO CEO two days ago, and she brought it up, not me. And she said, I don't know where to start. It's a journey. And you know, what exit do I get off on to start this journey? So First question, you were the highly successful CMO of Visit Sacramento for as long as I can remember, but you transitioned, as you said in your bio last year, to become Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Now, as we look at DMO org charts, CMO is about as high on the pole as you can get without being the CEO, and yet you eagerly stepped into this new role. Now, there's a part of me that thinks you believe this to be even more important than CMO for the organization and the community. So tell me about those initial conversations you had with CEO Mike Testa. Actually, I'm going to uh, jump forward a little bit. I'm not even sure eagerly is the first word that comes to mind, but I'll, I'll get there uh, once I talk about it. But I, Mike and I have worked together for quite a number of years here at Visit Sacramento. 
Um, we've been coworkers, peers, colleagues, friends, etc. And because of that, we've actually had conversations around race and equity and inclusion. Um, and, you know, sometimes those conversations feel can feel uncomfortable, but over the years of getting to know each other, there were always genuine interactions. I've always appreciated having those conversations with Mike. And furthermore, he has always said to me, or has always pointed out to me how much he has learned from conversations with me. So it's, it's really been a mutual understanding of where this is all coming from. And he did this. So you're right, 2020, right? I That was one year I think we'll all remember for the rest of our lives. You know, on top of a pandemic, we had social unrest due to, that started with the murder of George Floyd. And that just, you know, it opened something that's always been simmering beneath the surface. And it just opened it up to, honestly, it just opened it up to people who honestly were just not paying attention. Yeah. Right. And as a result, um, we talked about it. We actually tried to, we did some things here internally. You know, we, we issued a statement. We talked internally how, what we could do um, with our team. And it, at this time, keep in mind, right, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Our staff size had been reduced by almost more than half. So there's so much going on. Um, and as time went on in 2020, Mike came to me and I, I or whatever, I know I remember it because it was, uh, it was in November and I, I feel like it was right around my birthday. So he said to me, I've been thinking about this and I really want to do more than talk to talk. I want to walk the walk and ask me if I would consider serving as the chief of DEI for Visit Sacramento. And he said to me, it's yours to create, to develop. You've been in the industry for a while. There's things you understand that I never will. Um, and I think we can make a huge difference in our community and in our industry both locally and throughout our um, entire industry. So that's really how it started for me. Yeah. And with an offer like that, how do you say no, right? You're right. How do you say no? But I will be honest. I love being CMO. I tell people I was perfectly happy there. I mean, it was a rough year. Don't get me wrong. And in, in 20 and 21, as we not, there was so much uncertainty. And I talked to a lot of people. I didn't jump right into it because I really wanted to talk to people who, quite frankly, have been doing this work for some time. Uh, you mentioned Greg DeShields. I mean, I consider him the OG of DEI and what he was doing in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> and we stand on his shoulders and people who have been doing the, doing the work for a while. And I also talked to people outside of the industry. I had an opportunity to connect with someone from the PGA of America about what they're doing around this in DEI and just talked to people and got their feedback on, would this be really a good move for me? And after doing some research and talking to people, I decided to take this on and I wanted to take it on. So that's, at that point, I absolutely eagerly jumped into it. Yeah. So you had leadership buy-in, obviously with Mike, right from the get-go and that far exceeded just checking a box. And you say that's key. So the next step is engaging the community, but can you engage your community and make serious change without doing the work internally that is so important? How have you addressed the internal before stepping out to address the external in the industry? First of all, I think that making this role a C-level position, make sure it's still part of leadership, says a lot to the team. It says that it's important mm -hmm. and that this is something that it's not lip service and we are planning to integrate it throughout our entire organization. As a leadership team, we all have areas that we oversee, but as a leadership team, 
you know, we are responsible for really helping to ensure the overall organization. Our teams are working well together and that we're collaborating, that we're being just really doing quality work, right? So it's not something where I just focus on marketing, so to speak. And as a result, I think that says a lot internally. The other thing we did was we did put together an internal DEI group. And early on, that first year, it really was about conversation. Um, it was about, let's talk about what's happening in the world. Because the reality, Bill, we really don't separate our work lives from our home lives. What we need to do is figure out what the proper balance is almost daily, right? So the pandemic showed us that you've got family and kids. Most of your time was spent there. Mm -hmm. And that was so important because you couldn't be a good worker if you weren't taking care of your family. So a lot of this is about finding the balance. And that doesn't mean it's an equal balance, but it is a balance. So I say that because people were asking questions, like explain to me what it means when you don't feel part of something, when you feel left out or as I've said on more than one occasion, when you're the only person of color in a room at a meeting. And so they were just conversations with people that quite frankly, I've known for years. And it was nice to have deeper conversations around that. So that was some of the early work. To be fair, that is still the area where I think we're lagging in, but we've got a new HR director and she and I are putting together some bi-monthly education programs around white privilege, unconscious bias, learning about gender languages, et cetera. So I don't know that that may match up exactly what we're doing externally, but I do believe that it helps open people's eyes so that maybe when we're out going after a group or something, that we have a better understanding or empathy for what groups might be looking for when they want to book Sacramento. Yeah. You know, I would never, and nor any of us would ever wish upon ourselves again, uh, the ravages of the pandemic. But as you said, you lost roughly half of your staff. And as Visit Sacramento begins to hire back, does having this position in place, your position, the director of DEI, does that help as you bring new people in? The culture, I'm sure, has changed a little bit, if not a lot. Mm -hmm. And is this something that other DMOs should consider that as they're hiring back in, this is the moment in time to change the culture of the operation and then be able to go out and change the culture in the community? I will tell you, I've had several occasions to talk with particularly the Gen Z generation, and they are asking those questions. They want to know if you are doing more than saying you're committed to DEI. They want to know that you are working within the community and that you're looking at people of color, because honestly, that's how they're growing up. Mm -hmm. And so they want to know that we're, again, walking the walk. So do I think it's important to have? Yes. I think it's important to show that you are committed to building an inclusive, and I think this is actually more about inclusivity, that you're building an inclusive work environment because, you know, they, we talk about bringing our, um, our authentic selves to a place. And I can remember when I first joined the workforce and how awkward I felt for years for any number of reasons, not just being at that time the youngest or um, the only uh, black women in a group or something, but Gen Z is not playing around. Yeah. That they're not going to wait around to feel comfortable. So, so yeah, I think it is important, and I think it's important to the people who have been there and who maybe haven't said anything. 
I think you'd have more people who've been quiet and on the sidelines for years. And then when you show that commitment, I think it makes them, you know, maybe sit up a little taller. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so funny that you say that because this is something that was held in the highest regard in that breakthrough book, The Creative Class by Richard Florida, which has got to be 15 years old by now. And he said there were three pillars of you know, where the creative class is going to want to work. And one of them was diversity and inclusion. And he was talking about this stuff 15 years ago. And I think maybe it was just the fact that the people who were reading that book were primarily boomers and just didn't want to change. And now you, it, it's, we're seeing it right in front of our eyes uh, with younger generations coming into the workforce. So interesting. So that's the internal. Let's burn your last question on the external. As you just mentioned, we have been big fans of past DMOU guest Greg DeShields. Before he began helming Tourism Diversity Matters, he was the director of PHL Diversity in Philadelphia. And what we loved about his approach was he went way beyond the stereotypical pursuit of multicultural conventions. He actually went out to engage minority community entrepreneurs to get in the game, that they didn't understand that there were opportunities in the meetings and conventions and tourism and hospitality world that a DMO could hand off, you know, an RFP. And so he was actually out in the community getting those entrepreneurs acquainted with what it is we do. You've launched a grant program to lure diverse vendors to engage in some of your city's amazing festivals. Tell us about this program. Yeah. So uh, for the past, this is our ninth year being America's farm to fork capital. Um, you're not sure how many of your listeners understand. And I know that we put it out there uh, a lot, but uh, America's Front for Capital is more than a brand. It's sort of, it's, uh, well, it is the brand of Sacramento since that is authentically who we are. And when we talk about that, it's more than just restaurants, really. It's, to, it's the origins of the food, we're, how we're sourced. We're surrounded by so many, let's say about 150 different crops. I mean, this region literally feeds the world. And we're the largest metropolitan city uh, located so close uh, to some of these farms and ranches and wineries and breweries. And if you think about it, we're on the upper end of the Central Valley. So we're we're spoiled, quite frankly, with the amount of foods that we have available to us. And as a result, when we first started that, people thought it was mostly around the restaurants. And so, you know, when you think about the restaurant, that's always a sexy part of everything, right? Going down to have a meal and, yeah, sure. and the wine, et cetera. But uh, what we did was we wanted to celebrate our Farm to Fork. So we put together September is Farm to Fork Month, which we're coming up on here in Sacramento. And one of the things that we do, we have three different events. And our biggest event is the festival, which this year is September 23rd and 24th, if anyone's interested. Okay. And it's a festival. It has become Sacramento's largest festival. And it's truly a signature event for Sacramento because it really tells the story of what Sacramento is around this entire food ecosystem. So we have vendors that uh, come out. And pre-pandemic, we were seeing 150,000 people for this event. Wow. I've had the chance, actually, just through this DEI work, to actually get feedback on our events. And there was... There's always rumblings of something, but there was a rumbling that people maybe didn't feel included, that they could be included into this event. So we got to thinking about it. And again, let's put our money where our mouth is. So what we did was establish what's called a vendor impact grant. And essentially it is open to Sacramento businesses that are majority owned or operated 
by people of color and minorities as well, including LGBTQ, um, to apply to get a free vendor space at the festival. We pay all booth fees, you get signage, but the big thing you get is you get uh, additional promotion. Um, we have a very large platform, a tremendous amount of reach with our platforms. And so we actually uh, single out these grant recipients um, to give them extra promotion so that when people come to the festival, they can seek them out. And mostly after the festival, they can seek them out. So last year, in partnership with um, Bank of America here, we gave away five vendor impact uh, grants. And this year, we're giving away 10 vendor impact grants. And with that, it introduces these businesses that do not, maybe don't have large brick and mortar spaces, maybe have some online presence, but it gives them a chance to be introduced to a different, Mm -hmm. wider audience. We do get visitors from outside the region as well. And it just allows them to get that exposure that's so desperately needed when you need to grow your business. So we're, we're very excited about it. It has so far, we're in our second year. Last year, every the five vendors were tremendously grateful for it, and it did open up their business. We had one who picked up corporate business for her product that was now included in cert- for customer items as well. So that's what we're talking about. How do we make things equitable and give opportunities to people who maybe are not part of our farm report uh, system? Yeah. And before we leave the uh, festival and event topic and get to your bonus round question, you got to tell me about the Color of Music Festival, because I think it just sounds cool. Oh, man, Bill, it is so cool. It's a festival of all Black classical musicians. They come from all over the world to perform in cities mostly in the East Coast. And uh, I won't go into the long story how it ended up here, but through circumstances, we met a gentleman named Lee, and he met one council member and yet another council member, And we started talking to them in 2019. And we were just about to introduce the 2020 concert series and we weren't able to do that. But we did do it in 2021. And essentially we get up to about a hundred different classical musicians, all um, black and black heritage coming together for essentially about four days. And they perform in different venues throughout the city. And then they do a grand finale in our auditorium. And it is such a beautiful sight to see all Black classical musicians on stage playing pieces that are often by Black composers or added spoken word to it. Honestly, just beautiful Black women singing opera. It's such a phenomenal event. It brought the community pride. And I really, from never taking off my marketing hat, I do believe this is something that could become a West Coast event. Matter of fact, I love to make it the West Coast home for Color of Music Festival. Yasha was the first year. We're working on bringing it back this year. It's a great event. I mean, everyone you talk to love the event. And these are professional classical musicians. They play in concert halls all over the U.S. I think the conductor last year is based in Germany. So it's just a really cool event, to your point. Yeah. Boy, it does sound great. Okay, it's time for the bonus round question. And a lot of times we have some of the best answers on how did you get into this crazy business? Almost none of us grew up wanting to be destination leaders and marketers and salespeople, you know, <laughs> and yet here we are. And we would never change it 
for anything, because this is who we are, what we are, and what we love. So tell us your Genesis story. How did you stumble into this mad world? Uh, stumbles pretty close to <laughs> how I got there. Yeah, I got into the business, if you want the like the Twitter versions, because I didn't want a long commute. Okay. Uh, the longer version is that um, I was actually going to San Jose State for grad school, and I was commuting from Oakland, and I was taking public transportation. And that's just... It was just an incredible long way to get there. Yeah. And I was like, I need an internship. I have no desire to do go to San Jose in the summer. And so I thought, well, if I can get one in San Francisco, it's like a 30-minute commute. It's so much easier. It's one BART ride. Looked on the bulletin board. There was a notice for uh, something called San Francisco Convention and Visitors Bureau was looking for an internship. The deadline to apply, I believe, was either that day or the next day. I called and she said, this is Helen Chang, and we're still uh, friends to today. Yeah. I called and said, I'm at San Jose State. Are you still taking applications? And she said, well, it's supposed to close today, but if you can come in, it might've been tomorrow, I'll go ahead and interview you. And I said, cool. Cause now I'm thinking if I can get to San Francisco, this summer would be so much more fun. So <laughs> I went into San Francisco Convention and Visitors Bureau and I don't know if I, I had to take a writing test, but I also had to take a current events quiz. Huh. And she told me at the time, yeah. And then she told me after she offered me the position, she said, you did the best on the current events quiz. And that's why I'm hiring you. And that's how we ended up in the business. And I did a summer there and I ended up working at the San Jose Bureau because Helen became chief of PR down there and needed some help. And that's sort of the long, the shorter version of the entire story. But I, there is a, a bigger part of the San Jose story, though, that involves a fam, correct? Yeah. See, they don't explain fams to you when you first start. <laughs> <laughs> it's for my family. It's 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 a perk. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is this? And so they like, and I actually think it was a sales fam trip. They invited me to join them. Like, cool. And I'm like, all right. So it must have been like the first day and they put me up at the hotel. Like it was just so cool. And I get up first thing in the morning because it's breakfast and I get up. I'm like, oh, it's just breakfast. And the way the hotel is set up, you kind of walk through like this pathway into the, the garden area where breakfast is. And I'm walking through it and, I'm, and I kind of peek into the look into the garden and I see that salespeople and everyone is all dressed up in business attire. And I look down and I'm in jeans and a t-shirt because I'm thinking <laughs> we're just having breakfast, right? right? They don't explain any of this to you. So I hightail it back to my room and I change clothes <laughs> and then I walk out like, oh, sure. I knew that this was a dress up event. And that's how I learned Fam trips are serious business. That's, yeah. that's, that's my fam trip. <laughs> that's great. Hey, Sonia, thanks so much for coming on. And thank you for your thought leadership and providing the inspiration for all DMOs to reevaluate their next steps in DEI. I can't tell you, as I said at the outset, how many DMO CEOs have said to us, where do I start? And here's hoping this episode provides some guidance to get them on their path. Yeah, it's one step at a time, but it's honestly, it comes down to the commitment and it, it comes to staying engaged. And if leadership can demonstrate that, it really does help a lot. So I wish everyone luck. I'm always open to talking with people about our journey because I, I really do, in my heart of hearts, want to see our industry 
thrive around this area. It has been very good to me and it's also my way of giving back. So thank you for having me on. Oh, you bet. Thank you. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. And thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Destinations International. It's time to look forward to the next big event, the Advocacy Summit in Bloomington, Minnesota, October 26th through the 28th. And registration has just opened for that event. As telling the DMO story has never been more crucial, join Destinations International for content-rich agenda and compelling case studies and networking to bring your advocacy game up to speed. For more, go to destinationsinternational.org. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to the Z News, position papers on board diversity, and a new model for destination development, the book Destination Leadership, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, plus access to past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.